The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast Draft Preview Extravaganza. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. It's draft week, so we got everybody. We got our fearless leader, Dave Cariello. We got Andrew Jude from the Saints Nation. We got Kevin Held from Hakeem Drops the Ball, and when he feels like writing the power rankings, and future pro wrestler Kevin Held. We're going to get into that eventually. But we have plenty oh, right. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with this in that I wrote a column, WWL, shameless plug, that I said the Saints should take Tavon Austin of West Virginia because they suck at drafting defense, so just give it up. Um, the emails actually were like 50-50 for it and against it, which stunned me, but the ones against it were really angry, and I especially, I especially appreciate uh, Gene, who sent me an email that was had blinking font that said, fuck, no, like Christmas lights. Gene, I appreciate that very much. Why do you get so many emails? I, I, I like, never get any emails from people. I get emails from because you know what it, people know you. That's the thing. You're 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 a you're a local entrepreneur, and they know you, and they like you. Nobody likes Ralph. No, they hate me. I'm a fucking. Half the, the people who know Ralph don't like. Ralph. No, I'm a douchebag. I'm a douchebag from Houston, and people on WWL don't really comment on stories, so they 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 email is how they tell you to go fuck yourself. Only the regular, only the regular readers know me. I mean, there are tons of people that are clicking and just reading it and yeah. just discovering Castro Chronicles for the first time. Uh, and I still, I, I never get, I never get. And and also too, I have like about, I have like about fifteen, I have about fifteen people that just whenever I write a column, they email me because I've <laughs> I've chatted with them. They just. They just do. They're like, hey, Ralph, you know. And like half of them. Do, they, right? I have nothing better to do with my life. Exactly. Email. What are you going to do at work okay, well, during the day? Work? Well, part of the difference, Ralph, don't you have um, your email listed in each article you write? Where yeah, it's at data, the, I, I, it's at the bottom. stories, the, I think you've got to like navigate. Yeah, like it's at, the, it's at the bottom. I, I mean, that's that's yeah. like 70% of the fun for writing these columns is <laughs> it's getting yelled at and, and like causing a – the Twitter commotion that I did today for like 30 minutes. I mean, that's the 70% of the fun while I'm doing the column. So, but I want Tavon Austin because the saints suck at drafting defense. Um, I was mad at WWL. They took out my Jonathan Sullivan joke about him eating 12, uh, cool ranch Doritos tacos. But, uh, you know, it's funny though, but you know, it's funny. I mean, that Mickey Loomis, somebody asked Mickey Loomis today, like how come, the Saints have done better drafting offense and defense. I mean, he he knows that, he, and he said, "I don't have an explanation for that." So, I mean, he, he Mickey Loomis himself is aware of this. Yeah, it is. But I mean, and the thing is, I guess for he is kind of I view Austin as like Lance me Lance Moore with like six speed, but I guess 
I guess, Andrew, the thing that scares me is the Saints are so bad at picking defensive players. If the Saints want Barkevius Mingo, that means something must be wrong with him. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, b- before we get to the next thing, am I crazy for being petrified of the Saints picking any defensive player in round one, or, or is it just, you know, you have to keep trying? No, I, I mean – I get your point, and I'm superstitious to an extent like you are, and so I think any time you see a long track record of things, um, it, it starts to be uh, it starts to become a pattern. And, and look, I think any time you're looking at the historical evidence, at, at some point it stops being about talent, and it starts being about poor coaching or poor development or Poor talent. Maybe it's partly poor talent evaluation, but I just feel like so many of these guys have come in and, you know, Cedric Ellis is a perfect example of a guy who came in and was really good for three years and was on the upswing and then kind of completely collapsed after that. So, you know, that, I mean, Ellis is kind of a, is kind of a toss up. Roman Harper, I mean, he's been a decent player and he's been a starter since 2006. So you can't say that's a colossal failure. Mark Malcolm Jenkins is a below average starter, I would say, but he's still there. So, I mean, they haven't had, I mean, it hasn't been awful across the board. They have some stars. They don't have any stars they've drafted, but I don't think you're crazy. I, I, the point I made is last year, statistically, from the yardage standpoint, they were the worst defense in NFL history. So, no matter who they draft, of all this talent that's out there at pick 15, it can't be worse than what they have. No matter how bad he is, it can't be worse than what was on the field for the Saints this season. And, and that's my actually argument, not true. My argument against what you said, Ralph, would be to list the 11 starters and their statistics <laughs> and it's true. from 2012 and tell you that they could literally pick out of a hat any name, any name of a guy that grants high enough to be picked at 15. And it would be an improvement over the dog shit they have now. But Dave, you said that's not true. So give 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 us a name. Give us a. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, no. What what's not true is that they 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 can get worse. They, they could <laughs> yeah, break their own record. That's I mean, they, true. They could technically break their own record for yards allowed. Uh, but uh, but do I think that you're crazy? I I you know, like Andrew started saying, I certainly think that uh, you've got uh, legitimate grounds to. To be afraid that the Saints are going to blow this if they uh, pick defense. Hell, they might even blow it if they pick offense. I mean, I was just editing a post by Gene that we're going to run tomorrow, and it's to look at 10 years worth of first round draft picks for the Saints, and uh, they only picked two pro bowlers, Will Smith and Jamal Brown. Good. Um, one on offense and one on defense. So, I mean, technically, they're not that much better at picking. They kind of just aren't really that great in the first round. Uh, in general, so whether they're picking offense or defense, um, the Saints just are not really, you know, they're, they're not the best team. You know, now I haven't compared them to other teams. I haven't looked at other teams. You know, I don't know whether two Pro Bowlers in ten years, whether that comparatively, whether that would be lower than most other teams in the league, or whether that would be on par with other teams in the league. But to me personally, um, it seems like that's really not. Not that great of a success rate. 
Um, Kevin, before we get to your pro wrestling nickname and the rest of the draft, the Saints, sure. schedule, the Saints schedule came out last week, um, and they open they open with Atlanta at home. Um, I would say it'd be hard pressed to look forward to as much to an open opener as much as people did in 2006 with the dome being reopened post Katrina. But if you take that one out of it, I have to say opening against Atlanta at home with Sean Payton's return, I have to say it might be the second most anticipated season opener in Saints history. Is that too much of a stretch? Uh, Keeping in mind that they opened against the Falcons after the Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I I can't think of a of an argument against it. Um, I just I'm I'm God, I I want to go in I want to go into Week One just feeling that the Saints are going to absolutely fucking steamroll the Falcons. But there's like this, this, there's like this little nagging part of me, and maybe it's just because years of whatever, or maybe just because I'm secretly a, a fucking pessimistic person. I don't know, but there's a little part of me that just feels it's at home. It's the it's the season opener, the home opener against our most hated rival. Sean Payton's back. We got the new defensive coordinator. We're going to be happy about the draft pick, hopefully. All this shit's just lining up. And it's like, it's it's basically like Sean Payton at the beginning of the movie Gladiator. Maximus just looks over at Drew Brees and he just says, if my signal unleash hell, and we're all like frothing at the mouse, just waiting to fucking chant two points, two points at the Falcons. And what if fucking, you know, I mean, what if fucking powdered milk just comes shooting out of the uh, out of the gun? You know, like that's just that. Like it's just like that's like my, like that's my that's my fear. That's my huge fucking fear right now. But it's just but, going in, just going in everything. Just I'm lo- I look at that game. Well, and I just say, dear God, just. I I, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, Andrew... I honestly don't know if I can handle that. The, the, the great thing, the great thing about the, enti- about the entire Katrina season, and especially the home opener, was the entire season was nothing but house money. It was nothing but house money. It was, we're happy to have the team back. Like, seriously... The Saints could have been 0-2 opening the Superdome, and I still believe they would have been that loud. Because back in, back home, where they belong, everybody's thrilled to have them back, point of pride, whatever. It's house money. We're just happy to, to, to be doing this again. Well, that's that's true. But, Andrew, I guess my point is a big chunk of of – Loving football is the anticipation of the game. So to have a season opener where we get to anticipate playing the most hated of hated teams, the the first game, and Sean Payton's return, um, 
I just and think it, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. So I just I think it 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 makes for oh clearly a a better opener than any other team you would put there. No, Andrew. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was shocked that they, they did that. In fact, I've kind of noticed across the board the NFL really making a point to make week one more interesting with uh, divisional matchups and just good entertaining matchups kind of across the league. But, um, you know, in the past, in really the last five years, the schedule makers have really backloaded the divisional games. And uh, they've still done that to an extent, but I was shocked to see the Saints open up back-to-back weeks uh, with NFC South opponents. So after two weeks, you know, they could they could potentially be sitting at 0-2, I mean, disaster strike, and with two losses of divisional opponents. So it's like, you know, the Saints have to play their best football right off the bat because, you know, these are, you know, I always feel like the divisional matchups almost count like a game and a half. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, I, I agree with what you said. I really feel like besides the Katrina season, um, this is the number two most exciting matchup and schedule um, for week one that we could see. And, you know, honestly, even with the Katrina season, it was week three. So we kind of got a couple games under our belt, and we were all antsy to get back in the Superdome, and I was fortunate enough to be at that game, and it was it was nuts. It was insane. And I don't think it'll ever be that loud again, um, especially when Steve Gleason blocked that punt. But um, so I, I think that, that, that kind of peaked, and I don't think it will peak like that this time around. But I just think it, there's so – I mean, we know how much banter goes on between Saints and, and Atlanta fans, especially now that Twitter – Angry Houdat will need to be hosed down by the middle of July. That's Well, that's the thing. He's got his head start now where basically he's got a whole off season, a whole draft period, a whole mini camp, a whole training camp to have this circled on his calendar as the day. And, and you know, when we're usually playing the Falcons, I mean, hell – this past year, we had four days basically to talk trash after the 49ers game where um, we basically had three or four days before the next game was coming up. So um, we just didn't really have an opportunity to really get riled up, whereas this time, I mean, hell, we've got, what, five months, four months yeah. of just banter and, and hating on them, and it's the Falcons, and the Falcons just so happen to be really good right now. So, um I love it. I think it's great, and I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, how much more big time for for us as Saints fans? How much more big time can you get than playing our most bitter rival that just won the division and is talking about the Super Bowl and has made some pretty scary pickups in the off season? I mean, I'd rather have Steven Jackson than Michael Turner. Um, so I, I love it. I love it. I think it's going to be great. And I, I, if you're a Saints fan and you have a pulse, I don't see how you can't be excited about it. No. And and uh, and Dave, speaking of the NFC South, uh, Tampa traded for Daryl Revis of the Jets. They gave up the thirteenth. They gave up the thirteenth pick. Um. You know, we don't know how Daryl Revis is going to. If if Daryl Revis comes back 100, percent he'll be awesome for Tampa because he's probably the best corner in football. But put that aside. How does this affect the Saints on draft day? Because they've been talking about trading Ivory with the Jets. Does does the trade of Revis and the Jets having two first-round picks, do you think that maybe helps the Saints to maybe get move up and get a player that they want? 
uh, <laughs> if they wanted to move up, sure, I don't see any reason why the Jets having two first-round picks wouldn't help. I mean, are you insinuating that you think that the Saints are going to move up? Because I, I really don't want them to do that. Well, I think I think maybe if there was a player that the Saints wanted at 13 that the Jets didn't, the okay. Saints now, could, was, the Saints was, could say, here's Chris Ivory, way. can we move up two spots? Well, great, but not, like, <laughs> I mean, if that was the situation and that was it and they weren't losing any other draft picks, they were just swapping, they were just going up a couple of spots and getting rid of Chris Ivory, I guess I'd be okay with it. But here again, you know, we talked about earlier how the Saints really aren't that, they don't really have that great of a nose for defensive talent when it comes to the draft. So it would kind of piss me off to see them spend even more um, to get somebody and have it, you know, it's just, it's, that, that would be, just, really, it, let's compare it, it would be just like the Cedric Ellis situation. They, they traded up to get <laughs> Cedric Ellis, okay? If they had just drafted Cedric Ellis wh- wherever they were in that draft originally, I think they picked him up at 7th or 8th. I don't remember where they were. They were about 15. They moved from 10 to 7. Okay, they moved what, what was that, the 2010 draft? No, it was no, 0- that was 08. 08. And I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they moved up, and so I'm sure that they gave away another pick on top of that, right? Uh, so it, it's just like that wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to pick Cedric. They, you know, it's like, oh, we really want Cedric Ellis. Well, they obviously suck because they, they, they obviously are not great at, at again at evaluating talent because Cedric Ellis, I'm sorry, is not was in retrospect in hindsight, and obviously this is 2020, but. Uh, Cedric Ellis is not worth giving away another draft just to move up to get him. So in the situation yeah. you're talking about here with moving up, I, I just worry. I don't have a problem with it if they're going to pick somebody that's worth it. If they're going to go after a guy like Ezekiel Ansar or Deion Jordan, and it turns out that they're fucking awesome. But I fear, like you said earlier, I fear that they're going to do that, and they're going to go after a guy, and it, he's not really going to be that great. And it's just going to be a complete fucking waste. Um, would I rather? I would rather them trade Chris Ivory to do that, I suppose. Then, actually, I take that back. I would rather them give give a draft pickup because oh, Chris Ivory is known. Well, because Chris Ivory is a known commodity. I know that he's a good running back. I know that if they used him well and needed him or wanted him, that he could contribute uh, successfully. Other than you know injury concerns or him always being injured, but um, but a draft pick. If they give up a draft pick, I don't even know what they're going to do with that draft pick. Well, so, you know, it's it, it's a tough spot. Do I, I, the, the moral of my story here is mm-hmm. don't fucking trade up. If you're going to trade, trade down, get more picks, don't fucking trade up. You know, uh, if Bill Belichick were the guy trading up, I'd say, okay, I trust him. I, I, I think I know he, well, whoever he wants, he's probably good. He's probably worth it. But it's not that case. It's Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. And if I see them trading up, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I'm sure that they know what they're doing. I'm saying, oh, fuck, they just picked a fucking a shit bag. I, I said the exact same <laughs> thing last week. I said the same fucking thing last week on the podcast. Where, Ralph, what was the question you asked? It was something to the effect of what would freak you out. Was it, wasn't it like that? Yep, yep, yeah. that's exactly and, it. And, 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 and I, had, I had two answers. Part, yeah. that was that was the first answer, and the second right. and was I like, agree well, with you. well, if the Saints draft a quarterback or some ridiculous shit, which was just I'm, I was just like throwing shit at a wall at that point. But if the Saints trade up, and for the record, I'm looking at it right now, it was a draft day trade. The Saints, uh, the Patriots traded 
their first. Even in it was, it was Belichick. If, if, you're, if you're making a deal with Belichick, you want to fucking know you're on the wrong end of the deal. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's basically like if you are at a poker table and if you can't spot the mark within 50, within 10 minutes, yeah, you are the mark. Yeah, exactly. You're the mark. Uh, New England traded its first and fifth round selections to New Orleans for their first and third round selections. So the Saints jumped from 10 to 7 and then gave up their 78th overall pick to get Ooh. New England to get New England's 164th overall pick. Can you look up what New England got with our pick? Uh, yeah, hang on a second. New England's fifth round pick, or actually the Saints' fifth round. The third round, right? No, no the third round. Uh, New England in the third round. Let's see. It's probably Tom Brady. Uh, Sean, <laughs> the, the Patriots in the third round picked up linebacker Sean Crable out of Michigan. Okay, he's yeah, yeah, I mean Garvey. his name doesn't. But, I mean, but, but here's, here's the thing. Great, fantastic trade. <laughs> yeah, but wait a second. Wait a second. But here, but here are some of the guys though that were below Sean Crable. That that the Saints could have uh, technically picked up, and I'm and I'm just picking out highlighted guys here. Early Doucette, the wide receiver. Barry Douglas, the wide receiver. Okay. Uh, Steve Slayton, the running back. Jermichael yeah. Finley, the tight end, and Cliff Averill, the defensive end. Oh well. Or fuck with Mario Rainey. If we could have gotten uh, Cliff Averill, that would have been a whole different story. Um, and then let's see, and then in the first round, uh. The fucking Saints get Cedric Ellis, and the Patriots use their pick that they got from the Saints to get uh, Gerard Mayo. Well, this brings up an interesting. Oh. This brings up an interesting point. You know, Dave's already made his 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 feelings quite clear with a lot of four letter words, Andrew. But I'm going to put you in Mickey Loomis's shoes. You are uh, the Jets are on the clock at 13, and the guy you want is there. And the Jets say, you can have the 13th pick, but you got to give us Chris Ivory. That's all we want. You give us Chris Ivory, you can go to 13, and you can get whatever player you desire, the kid, whoever that is. If you're Mickey Loomis, do you do it? Do I get like a fifth rounder for no, Ivory too? It's, or no, it's, it's you give us Chris, Chris Ivory, you can come to 13. And the player you want is there, whether it's Mingo a lot of uh, the kid out of Utah. I don't know how to say his name. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hear he, you. No, that that's too deep, steep of a price to pay. I mean, and to move up two spots. I mean, I, I realize that um, there's a chance you're losing out on the guy that you really want. But I mean, like like has been echoed by Kevin and by Dave. I'm just I'm just sick of seeing the Saints move up for Mark Ingram, for Cedric Ellis, for. Uh, Al Woods, for, and they haven't had their full. They haven't had their full complement of picks in like six years. I, they haven't, and I just I've yet to see one of these pan out. Like, man, that was a great call. I'm so glad they moved. Morstead trade. They traded up to get Morstead. That's true. It's so, okay. So the Morstead thing, but what do they what do they give up a, a six pack of, of yes. chewing gum for, yes. for that? I mean, you know. So I'm less but worried draft, about that. That was the 09 draft, right? Yeah. And actually, they might have traded up for Sean Canfield, too. Yeah, I think oh, they did. Oh, God. 
Oh God. Good Lord. Yeah, I think they might have traded up for Sean Kingston. The Saints and they might have traded up for Adrian Arrington too. So I mean, so I guess it, now that I'm thinking about it, guys, if you look at the the Saints' history, especially since Sean Payton's been aboard, and even before that, the Saints tend to get a little antsy on draft day, and 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 sort of fall in love with certain guys, and 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 the track record, the track record says they'll get a little antsy. Um, Dave, if the Saints move I think they're up. in love with Jarvis Jones. I, I think I think Jarvis, if, if that's where you're going with this question, I mean, I, I think Jarvis Jones is their guy. That's just my guess. And I'm not saying that, that I agree with it, but I, I just think uh, I think Jarvis Jones is the guy they're looking at. And if they're going to trade up, I think, I think that's the guy they would go for. No, I was just going to say, if the Saints trade picks from the 2014 draft to move up, what gif of an explosion are you going to use on the Canal Street Chronicles Thursday night to express your anger? That was going to be my question. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll find some supernova blowing up in space or something like that. Um, I don't fucking know. I, While you pause momentarily to, to collect your outrage, uh, here is the Saints, uh, the Saints trading draft Day history trading for 2009. Uh, round two, New Orleans traded its second and fifth round selections, 45th and 151st overall, respectively, to the New York Giants for one for for Jeremy. I hope I die while I'm having sex. Shocky. <laughs> uh, number. Let's see. Third round. Third round. Uh, New Orleans traded its 2008 third round selection. And 2008 fourth round selection to the Jets for Jonathan Vilma and the Jets 2008 fourth round selection, which was used to select Stanley Arno. New Orleans got a conditionally conditionally traded a fourth round selection to the New York Jets, but Vilma met playtime incentives that upgraded the selection to the third round. So, okay, so there's that. And then round four was, I think, where they got a the, the pick from the thing that uh, from the Jets that ended up uh, being uh, what's his face Morstead. So there you go. Yeah, the the, the thing. I, I mean, the Saints do wheel and deal, and they and they traded back some with Hazlitt too. I remember at the end of the year they traded back on a second round pick when I was working the draft for WWL, and they ended up picking Courtney Watson, who was terrible. Who was terrible. Oh. God. He was a just a um, the tackling dummy linebacker. Um, Andrew, I, I think I think we're all kind of in agreement that this draft we don't know what the hell is going to happen. So tell me when we're watching the draft Thursday, what is going to be or, or what needs to be the oh my god I can't believe. That fucking team did that at pick number whatever. What needs to happen before the Saints pick? And it, you can't tell me Geno Smith. Like, it has to be a player or a position that gets picked before the Saints pick that helps the Saints. But you can't say – it can't be quarterbacks because that's too obvious. Uh, well, I, yeah, I've been using that, that line for, for a while. 
I mean, look, <laughs> for, for me, I, I want Geno Smith going in the top six. That's not happening. To, to where to where Buffalo <laughs> wants a quarterback and he's off the board. And I think Buffalo's like eight or nine. And so, uh, and then and then you know you've seen in a few mocks where they have like EJ Manuel or Nasib going to uh, to uh, Buffalo. And I mean that that would be like the eureka moment of the draft for me. But uh, there's a couple of good guards, Jonathan Cooper and um, uh, God, I'm blanking. Chance Womack. Yeah, Chance Womack. They've got two two guards that are very solid. Uh, I think a lot of people feel like those two are are some of the more surefire Pro Bowlers in, in the draft. We know the Saints aren't going to pick guards, um, so please help us out, you know, teams. We know the Saints aren't going to draft those guys, so please pick both of them um, and drop some of the, some of these defensive players down um, so that you know they'd be available. So. I don't even think those are bad picks. I think, you know, a team is going to end up with those guys and be very happy with them. Um, but I think in order for that to happen, tackles typically always go before guards. So we really – I'd like to see the tackles in Jekyll and and uh, uh, Fisher go 1-2. Um, you know, Lane Johnson's probably not far behind them. And then the guard, those two guards are probably the next best offensive lineman in the draft. So – um, you know, I'm assuming those three tackles are going to go in the top both, ten. Both? Um, go, you so, think both? What do you think? The, give me give me a scale of one to ten, both guards going ahead of the Saints. The I think it's I think it's ten that one of the two will go ahead of the Saints. Um, or I'll say nine. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll say nine out of ten chance that one of the two is gone. Um, that both are gone before the Saints pick. I'd give that a four and a half, four and a half to five. So um, I, maybe a slightly less than fifty percent chance, but there's definitely a chance. Both of those guys are graded very high. Yeah, um, Dave. Like, like I said, it wouldn't be stupid. I, I'm just hoping it happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, Todd McShay in his latest draft has the Saints uh, draft. Uh, He's got the Saints taking uh, DJ Fluker of Alabama, who kind of projects as a right tackle, I think. But Dave, yes, that's um, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Dave, what player specifically will cause you to perhaps uh, have an aneurysm, break your TV, drop your young child? Uh, in anger, if the Saints pick them, do you have a specific player that you just you don't want for whatever? <laughs> uh, yeah, Manti Teo. You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be that outraged by the pick, but I would really be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah, is nothing but trouble. I, I, uh, I mean, I will be my, banned from Canal Street Chronicles for like five years if they pick Manti Teo because the rules are out the window and it'll just be post after post and just I will be I will be I mean as a, as a blogger I, I suppose that's my dream situation because <laughs> I mean the content there just creates itself there uh, and I mean the satire posts would probably be coming fast and furious um, you know <laughs> I, I'm, um People, you know, people keep throwing around like Tavon Austin or whatever. I, I think I, 
you know, it would be fun and exciting because he's an exciting player, and it would almost be kind of like a Reggie Bush thing. It's like, oh, my God, they have this weapon, and how can Sean Payton use him? But at the same time, I mean, that's just really not what the Saints need. So uh, I think I'd probably be pretty pissed if they picked him off there, or any kind of, like, wide receiver or something like that. Um, honestly, anybody, if they pick anybody on the offensive side of the ball that's not a tackle, I'll be, I'll be pretty steamed. Kevin, is there a certain player that you are going to um, uh, suplex your dog uh, <laughs> if the Saints pick? Great, great, great reference. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm in the same boat as Dave. Uh, no wide receivers, no you know, no tight ends, none of the nobody on the offensive side uh, unless it's a. Uh, Unless the tackle, uh, just to quickly backtrack, I think both guards will be gone before the Saints. Uh, I, 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 I'm more confident than again. Andrew knows what he's talking about, and I don't. So, uh, if I had to, pick, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You going to pick a name for somebody that will end up taking? Yeah, a name if you can think of one. Hmm. Uh. I just, I, I, I guess uh, the, the, uh, the defense, like a defensive tackle or something. I mean, I know we're running the three-four, but I, I, I guess if I just had to pick, I, I kind of look at it like the a defensive tackle. Andrew, either, you said either Sheldon, either Sheldon Richardson or uh, Star, whatever the hell that last name is. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's what I was going to go. I'm, that's a good segue because Andrew, you have said you want Star Latululeli. Uh, so if if the Saints don't pick, if he's there and the Saints don't pick them, how volcanic are you going to be? Uh, Mount Vesuvius. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I got. I mean, no. I, if he's there, if the Saints were picking first overall, I would want Latululeli over the two tackles. Uh, that's how strongly I feel about this guy, and it's fit with the Saints and the difference he would make defensively. And I've always felt strongly that a 3-4 system works best. It starts up front with that guy in the middle that's controlling the line of scrimmage. That's what that guy does. For his size, he's incredibly athletic. I mean, that, that that's just the kind of player, the kind of thing that you need when you were 32nd overall in defense to, to really – make a change, and put, you know, because one guy that, that's that elite makes people around him better. And if you're drafting a tackle first overall, yes, it helps Breeze's blind side, but um, I just don't think that's impacting the roster um, and impacting the balance of the team like a defensive tackle. So if they're picking first overall, um, I would want him. So if he's available at 15 and they pass on him, I mean, I can't be held responsible for what happens. Could it turn out to be uh, Alex Mould and Eddie George type bad? I mean, I, I would think worse. I mean, I can't remember what I did when that happened. <laughs> I think at the time, I at the time I kind of bought into it. I was like, oh, this Alex Molden guy is going to be really good. Um, so, I, if anything, I don't think I was as angry about the Molden pick as I was later once I found out he really was terrible and Eddie George was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. But, um, no, I, if they were to pass on Star Lotu Lele, I mean, 
regardless of what I do, I feel like I should have immunization from the police, from 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 the law, um, and basically have carte blanche to do whatever I want and fear no repercussions because um, that that's how outrageous that would be. Dave might have to waive the uh, the Canal Street Chronicle uh, community rules. Uh, Dave, I'm going to start with you, and we'll go around the horn for this. Uh, I'm going to tell ba- I'm going to tell Dave right now. If that happens, go ahead and ban me from Canal Street Chronicle. Just do it. <laughs> He'll drop the ban hammer. All right, Dave, we're going to go around the horn. I'm going to ask you this question. Okay, give me your dream scenario for the Saints and the player or the scenario you want, and then give me the realistic scenario that's going to happen on Thursday night. Um, my dream scenario, who's a good 3-4 defensive tackle? Is Star, Star uh, he, he's a he's a big guy, right? He's like a regular like tackle? Yeah, he, yeah, he's the best, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that, that's, that, that would be my dream scenario. I mean, you know, I feel like the Saints have addressed pass rush um, this offseason already. I mean, first of all, just by changing schemes and getting a new defensive coordinator, but um, just going out and getting some, you know, a guy like Victor Butler um, and even getting a guy like Keenan Lewis who can hopefully, um, you know, buy some time for the linemen and the linebackers to get to the quarterback. But um, but they still, I mean, I'm really not that comfortable uh, with what's the face at, at defensive tackle. I mean, yes, he's played before, uh, what, Bunkley. Uh, I mean, yes, he's played the 3-4 before and he sort of knows it, but, you know, he, he's not great by any means. So I, I really think the Saints' biggest need is nose tackle. I think that's really what would help them the most. And so my dream scenario would be to get the best nose, true 3-4 nose tackle on the draft, uh, and that would be Star. Um, what, Lota 2 or whatever? Yeah. Lota um, Lulele, I think. Lota Lulele. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Night... What what did you say? Nightmare scenario. I mean, we not nightmare that. scenario. Just something oh, that's oh. more realistic. Um, what's more realistic is they get somebody. Uh, here's a, this is this is typical. They go they go and they get somebody like Sheldon Richardson, who's not the same size and not really more the nose tackle thing. They get him and they try to make him a nose tackle, and it just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what would happen? Don't you see that happening? Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of <laughs> do. So that's that's the realistic and the sort of semi nightmare scenario that Dave just laid out. Um, Kevin, like we're going to need an open bar on Thursday night. We are going to need. We're going to need an open. We're going to need an open bar. We might even need a Google Plus Hangout to uh, to keep our spirits up. Kevin, uh, give me your dream scenario. And are you on that Google Plus shit? Is this like a thing now? I no. can't fucking take another goddamn social media thing. Like I'm fucking no. like I'm not no, getting no, no, on fucking no, no, Google Plus. No, 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 no. You don't have to. You don't have to abandon Facebook for Google Plus. You just get on Google Plus. And... I would rather abandon Facebook for Google. I don't want to add yet another one. <laughs> okay, l- listen, listen. All you do is you just do the bare minimum shit on Google Plus. That way you can do uh, FaceTime or whatever the hell those that those meetups are. So essentially. You, me, Ralph, Juge, Wang, and, and we can have him wear the Cobra Commander mask if he wants to keep his identity secret. Uh, we could sort of be on a thing together, 
And as the Saints inevitably announce that they're going to take Sheldon Richardson or, or whatever your nightmare scenario is, we could all look at each other flipping the fuck out. <laughs> all right, that is kind of pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be fun. So, so Kevin, give me your uh, your dream scenario for the Saints on Thursday, and then a realistic one that's more likely to okay, happen. Well, okay, well, then I figured, let me uh, I'm gonna backtrack and just say, well, yeah. well, apparently, well, apparently... The day we're going to get uh, to that, believe me. Apparently, the two guys, you like two a guys Mardi Gras, who, know, who know more about what they're talking about, uh, Juge and, uh, and, and Cariello, are, are apparently high on star, low to... Uh, I'll have his name be able to pronounce it correctly by 2015. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's the Saints draft. Star, yeah. Starlow. Let's just call him Starlow. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, so, so if they're high on him, okay, fine. I won't. I won't poo-poo it because I'm. I'm a fucking idiot. So whatever. But uh, dream scenario is that is the Saints trade. Dream scenario is the Saints trade down and fucking fleece the hell out of somebody. And I'm talking, and, and look, I'm not talking completely ridiculous like they've traded the entire draft, picks for whatever. Just the Saints get to move back uh, further in the first round. They get a second round pick, and they get something else, and then they get something else next year. So basically three picks for the right to take somebody at 15. And I will be a fucking happy camper with that. Uh, nightmare scenario is them fucking, for some boneheaded reason, uh, is, is taking a wide receiver, uh, and, and if I'm just flinging shit at the wall, is them saying, oh, we need to take a tight end. I know that's retarded. Uh, but, 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 but Sean Payton coming in saying, not even Bill you Belichick, Tyler Eifert. Bill Belichick has made. Even if they took Tyler Bill Belichick has made. <laughs> Wait, say that again. If they took your boy Tyler Eifert from Notre Dame, you wouldn't be pumped, Kevin. No, no, because if Sean Payton goes goes and says Bill Belichick has been running a two tight end system, I can make that work here. Give me Tyler Eifert, or give you me the guy from I just, I, I I'm not. Uh, I don't know. I could see them doing that. I, I, I would, I would be very, uh, I would be very distraught. It's well, like Kevin, if you're not going to trade, that, you're not, tra- you're not tra- going to happen. So what do you think uh, is going to happen? What, what do I think is actually going to happen? I, I think they'll end up getting like Xavier Rhodes or something. They'll end up just getting somebody for the, from the secondary. Oh my God, I would puke. <laughs> Another Florida State shitty quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Patrick that would be great. I'm going to say my dream scenario is the Saints trade down with San Francisco, and Mickey Lomas goes real aggressive and says to San Francisco, you can have our first-round pick. We don't even want number 31. Just give us Kansas City's pick, which is 64 overall, and your pick, which is 63, and your two third rounds. So that would give the Saints uh, a four-for-one or maybe a three-for-one, and they would get Eric Reed, the safety from LSU, 
and maybe if they were really, really lucky and a guy fell to him at, at, at 60, like Jamie Collins from Southern Miss, or they could maybe finagle and trade a little bit up and get a Bjorn Warner if he fell from Florida State, that would be my scenario where they get a bunch of picks in the second and third round from San Francisco who has four, who still has 13 picks in this draft. And there's no fucking way if San Francisco drafts 13 guys, they're making their team. There's no, They don't have that many roster spots. So I think San Francisco could be a spot where the Saints could do some damage. The realistic option, I'm going to say it's Jarvis Jones from Georgia. They just, it seems like he's the guy. Um, so I'm going to say it's Jarvis Jones. He's, he scares the shit out of me because he didn't run well. Although, if you watch that Florida game when Georgia played Florida, if you just saw that game, you'd be like, holy shit, I want that guy. So that's going to be um, what's going to happen, I think. Um, I agree with you, Ralph. I mean, I was, I was yeah, you, kidding you, about the Sheldon Richardson thing. But <laughs> I agree with you. I think they will probably wind up. I think by Thursday night, Jarvis Jones will be on the same. Yeah, I, I do think it'll be – you know what? I, I just – I. I don't know how I don't know necessarily how it could go, but man, if if they could if they could get a team if they could get more picks, I just think it it benefits them in this spot because, like Andrew said, all during the season and in the offseason, they need young good players because their salary cap is kind of fucked. Um, but right now, uh, last week after the show. Kevin mentioned this. You know, he tried to mention it just in passing. If he would have mentioned it in the pre-show. We'd have had a four-hour podcast last week instead of the 97 minutes we did. Kevin was like, oh, um, next week, can you bump it back to 830? Because I might be wrestling. And we were like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I went to an amateur wrestling, like mid-south-south-south wrestling, and I saw these guys, and I was like, fuck, if they're 45 and 300 pounds, I can do that. So now Kevin is a goddamn professional wrestler in training or wannabe. I don't even know. Um, so, Kevin... But it's what? funny because, I mean, Kevin is not a large man by any no, stretch of the He's like a cross-country no, runner. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I am 170 pounds, and I am 5'10 and a half. No, no, I, I, well, no, Zoke ran on about 180. I, I've, I've, I've gotten a little more doughy. So, Kevin, what the fuck is with this? I can't believe you weigh 180 pounds. Cause I know, I can't I weigh 180 no, 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 pounds. No, 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 180 pounds really... soaking wet. 180 soaking wet. I'm closer to 107. So, so Kevin, like, what, what's, what's going to be your what, – what, what was the moment where you were like, oh, my God, I can do that? And what's going to be your nickname? What's going to be your signature move? Have you been, have you been working through this? Uh, I mean, I guess – I watched this shit since I was a kid, and I went through a couple of spurts where I wasn't watching it, and then I was watching it again, and I don't know. I watched all the Iron Eagle movies, but I don't think that I could be a fighter pilot. (laughs) (laughs) That right there may be the greatest counter move in the history of this podcast. Iron Eagle. Of all fucking things to just throw out, Iron Eagle. Oh, I loved Iron Eagle. I I was obsessed with Iron Eagle 1 and Iron Eagle 2 when I was a kid. Hey, Lou Gossett, where it's at, man. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just always fucking liked it and always found it entertaining and was like, you know, I should try doing I, I, I just want to try doing that just because I, I, I don't fucking know. Like, there's, it's like, it is athletic. It's not competition. It's athletic and there's, like, you know, drama involved and, you know, I fucking went to school for drama and all that, for acting. Have you and bought all that the tights yet, Kevin? Have you bought your tights? Oh. No, no, I have not. No, I, there has been no purchases of any uh, of any wrestling attire or accoutrement, if you will. Speedo, speedo, speedo. Have you developed a custom move yet? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Have I done what? Have you, like, like your like your signature move, like when the guy's laying on the ground writhing in pain? Do you have like your signature move where you get up on the ropes and? Yeah, and if, and, and if you haven't, may I recommend Iron the Iron Eagle. <laughs> there, uh, no, it is, it, that has not come up. I am, I am still in a. Uh, well, perfect. So the Iron Eagle, it is. Great, thanks. I am in the uh, in the like learning how the to. I am in the learning how to take back bumps and uh, you know Ew. picking myself up, uh, you know flinging myself over the top rope uh, in a corner, that sort of stuff. It's, you have to get certified to be a pro wrestler. Do you take? Were you taking a class? When you? No, no, no. It's it's yeah. It's it's a class and it's like training sessions. Like I went and watched a local independent wrestling show around here because I have nothing to do with my life. It's it, it's sad in a way. Um, you see, this is what happens when you move away from all your friends. If you sort of run into a situation where there are times where you don't have friends to hang out with, so you're like, okay, I'll go see an independent wrestling show because whatever. So I saw it, and I was like, okay, this sort of I'm still in, I'm still intrigued. So I looked up the thing. I was like, okay, this guy is the uh, the trainer for this promotion, if you will, and. I called the guy, I emailed the guy, called him on the phone, talked to him, uh, told me to, where to show up, blah, blah, blah. I show up, and there's like there's a group of like eight or nine guys that are learning or have learned and are in later stages of the whole thing, some that have actually wrestled matches already, yet are still training. I am, I am literally in phase one. I am not... Anywhere close to getting into a ring, like a yellow belt. Do you need a manager, Kevin? I want to. I, I, I could be your manager. I, there is no. Uh, yeah, there has been no talk of of me having a manager. There is no talk of me having a finishing move. Uh, there's no talk of a name. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, I think it's been decided the finishing move. I'm, Either your name is the Iron Eagle or your finishing move is the Iron Eagle. Yeah. Well, well, I, well, I, I, well I, I tell you what, if, if I have to confess, I am, after, after banging, no, seriously, after banging my head on the mat way too much, the idea of getting on the, t- of getting up to the top rope and jumping off of it, uh, is, is really, it's, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying. Like flinging, flinging, standing on a on a thing and saying, "Okay, fall backwards." That in and of itself is just 
it's against human nature, and I have to learn to do that to become second nature in order to actually do what I have to do. But how good do you have to be? I, 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 I can't say I'm surprised by, by Kevin doing this. I mean, because he also, he's into, what, the, what curling? Yeah. Curling? Curling? Yeah, which is yeah, like... Curling. 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 Yeah, which is also like kind of like for tough guys. It's like a rug. It's kind of like rugby, but with sticks and I don't know. We'll yeah. Describe describe hurling. Because it's kind of yeah. Tough. Hurling hurling is lacrosse meets field hockey. So yeah, but you guys can like hit each other with the sticks. Can you hit each other with the sticks? Do you go in the penalty? Uh, no, no, no. It, it has, I I've, I've been hit with a stick. I don't recommend it. So so Kevin, how 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 far along do you have to go before? You're gonna get videotaped, and we can see it on YouTube, and we can post it on uh, Chronic. It's it's not <laughs> Betty Hill music. When is that gonna happen? <laughs> uh, well, it, it, the the great thing about that is that one it, it, here's 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 two things that I have talked about or thought of as as relates to in ring, you know, my in ring whatever. One. One, I try to think about entrance music, and that's just a wide open discussion because I don't fucking know what I want. I'd like to recommend Do Haas by Rammstein. <laughs> oh, that is a great choice. You know, you know I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna listen to that, and I'm gonna put it on the Do list. Ha. I've got a big list. I've got a list of things, and it's funny. It's funny that Andrew mentions that because one time in the Getting to Know You, somebody asked me what I what I would suggest as intro music for. For the Saints to replace, um, stand up and get crunk, and and Duhas was, and I didn't write it, but Duhas would be my choice. That that should get you pumped. That beginning of that song. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might play that for the podcast next week. I'm being told my character's name should be Iron Eagle, and I should come out to angry German music. Yeah. I don't know if that's the... You could be a hero. You could, you could, I don't know if that's the age I want to tell you here. And you're, and you're wearing a Speedo. Don't forget the Speedo. No, you see, you could be a hero, Kevin, because you, be, you could be the Iron Eagle. You could come out to Duhast, and you could have uh, the, the, the Eagle's Lair, which was Hitler's secret hideaway. You could dress as a, as a white supremacist skinhead. You could be a hero. <laughs> And the show has reached a new low. Uh, no, no, no. Well, no. The, the second thing that I've that I have given thought of, and that I'm leaning towards doing, is actually wearing a mask. Yeah, not so oh, that, 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 That's done. You could that that that's a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's you know it's one thing to point and say yes, that is me. It's another thing for somebody twenty or thirty years down the road to play something on the internet or pop in a, a DVD and say, hey, that's you because that is your face right there. And then I have to be like, yeah, that was me. Whereas if somebody shows, oh, that's you, they're like, no, that's some idiot in a, in a mask. I would never that's do that. That's Iron Eagle. That's, no, no, yeah, I know yeah, Iron Eagle. Yeah, that's, 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 that's some cat named Iron Eagle. I have no idea. I mean, that's part of the Wait, what? <laughs> That's, that's the Iron Eagle. That's one of the toughest pro wrestlers this side of St. Louis. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. So we've had we've had, we've had this this topic is we we just have to bring this up over and over and get updates. We'll get updates and I'll drop in the I'll I'll drop in I'll drop in Duhas from Romstein underneath everything. Well, I don't we do. know if they're going to be. It sounds like Kevin might be giving it up. It sounds like he might. Well, he's he's worried about head trauma. It sounds no. like Goodell needs to get involved in this. There's no, there's no, there's no more damage you can do to Kevin. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what, what, what well, if you could uh, in your in your keywords for the uh, for the podcast, if you could put Rammstein, uh, I think it might really internationalize if that's even a word. I will. I will add. I will add that. Diversify in. Our, our fan base, and we could get a lot more Gothic Germans uh, listening to the podcast. I think so too. And, and the Germans, they were, they loved. It. They were like the one place in Europe that actually liked football. When the when the NFL had their league over there, so this wrestling. Yeah, they do. I'm gonna have Sean Pantsloan come with me next time and videotape me getting my head bashed in. Oh my lord! All right, <laughs> so, so this podcast, so this doesn't go nine hours, which it very well may. We have to get to, we have to get to the mocking, uh, the draft, uh, and this week's topic is favorite Saints. Scandal slash funny moment edition. Um, and I really in, didn't do any research on it. No, we, you don't need to because you can just pick them and you probably if in the comments people will be like, oh my god, I can't believe you forgot this. Well, I'm going with I have the I've given myself the number one pick, and I realized in the the pregame show that it wasn't it's not that good of a pick, but I feel like I have to do it. In 1970, the Saints. They were looking to hire a general manager, and they hired Dick Gordon, who was a fucking astronaut in the Apollo space program, as the general manager. And the thing was, he wasn't even good enough to go to the actual moon. So he wasn't even like an all-star astronaut. It wasn't like they hired an astronaut and were like, here's Neil Armstrong. No, they couldn't even hire the best astronaut. They hired a so-so one. They hired an astronaut to be general manager. If that happened today, I don't even know what the fuck would happen to the blogosphere. But that's my number one pick for Saints uh, scandals slash funny moments. Uh, Kevin, uh, Iron Eagle, Number, you are on the clock with the number two pick. Yeah, I'm so glad to, I tell you what, Dave's going to really be disappointed if I end up not calling myself Iron Eagle. Uh, God. Uh, you could go I guess you I'm going to call yourself Chappie Sinclair. <laughs> wait, I can call my... Wait, wait, wait a minute. You started laughing before you finished. What was it? Chappie Sinclair, that's... Lewis Gossard Jr.'s character. <laughs> wait, Cap- wait, Captain what? Chappie Sinclair. Forget it. <laughs> okay, Chappie Sinclair. Well, I, I apparently have to look that up. Just let me laugh on my own. You know, what, you know what the important thing is, Dave? The important thing is you find it amusing. That's all the ca- That's what matters. Um... I'm gonna go with Joe. I'm gonna go with Joe Horn, Bone, and Will, uh, Willie Rose's wife. Allegedly. Ale- yes, I'm sorry. Allegedly. <laughs> and that's ex- my number two choice. Any explanation before we get to Dave? It's it's a dude banging another dude's wife. I mean, and, and the end result is the the other guy getting traded for it. A Hall of Famer got traded. Well, you missed yeah. the part about getting her pregnant. I don't remember that. 
allegedly. Dave, you are now on the clock with the third pick. Well, mine is another allegedly one. It'll, it'll be uh, uh, Jim Hans with allegedly. This, this was this was this, this was revealed on Saints Report, I believe. Um, by well, a, you know it's on the law. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, so That's like the Bible. So you know that uh, uh, Jim has got a sensation pregnant, and then what Benson paid her off or something like that. I don't even know all the details. But I remember it's, it's a big thing on the internet. Go look it up on the internet. It's there. So, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, you you have, will wrap up the first round. Well, it's funny. I've heard a rumor about Sean. This is not my pick, but I heard a rumor about Sean Payton doing the same thing, not getting anyone pregnant, but having sex with a sensation. So I think that, that's like a uh, cyclical thing or just like it is. every head coach. It's a favorite, it's a favorite rumor, I'm sure, of, it's every, like a rite of every, every city. Um, yeah, it's a nice rite of passage. It is. <laughs> exactly. But um, anyway, my pick is going to be Albert Connell, oh. former Saints receiver, who somehow was signed to, I believe it was a four-year, $15 million deal. Yes. He basically got a huge contract after one good year where he had like 68 catches for 1,000 yards with the Redskins. And my Ditka decided that that was enough. No, that wasn't Ditka. That was Randy Mueller. Well, it was Ditka era, was it not? No, it was Randy Mueller. It was Randy Mueller, Jim Hazlitt. Oh, okay, okay. So Hazlitt, sorry, my 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 apologies, I stand corrected. Uh, so Randy Mueller decides that that's good enough to throw all kinds of cash at this guy. Um, so you know he, he's got deep pockets at this point. You, you're feeling pretty good about his his financial worth. Um, he decides to go ahead and steal twenty thousand dollars cash from Deuce McAllister's locker room. And to me, the biggest scandal in all of this is not that a rich guy like Connell needs to steal this kind of money or that a rich guy like Connell is taking $20,000 cash. The real controversy here is why the fuck would Deuce McAllister have $20,000 in cash (laughs) sitting in his locker room? Who carries $20,000 cash? Have you ever seen it rain in a strip club, Andrew? Uh, well, yeah, let's let's let's, let's, let's talk about where Deuce McAllister is now in financially. Oh Lord, poor Deuce. Um, so, for the record, for the record, Albert Canell does have one of the top five catches in Saints history. The opening game against Buffalo. Uh, it is. You can't. I, I don't think you can find it on YouTube, but it is one of the best catches in Saints history, and that's his only highlight. That's his only it's highlight got, ever with us. It's got nothing on Brett Bash, though. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I'm just saying it's top five, though. But that's his only. That's his only highlight. You know, and and to think the, the of the, I mean, the Saints had a completely dysfunctional locker room with Hazlitt, and Albert Connell was the king of them. Um, so now I'm on the clock, and there's so many options. I thought of going with a fight on a plane. I thought about going with Buddy D getting kicked off the plane in the 70s. Um, I'm going to save one for, for my next pick if we go three rounds. But my second round pick has to be the 1980 Saints. They were so bad, Buddy D wore a paper bag on his head during a newscast 
because the Saints were so fucking terrible and created an iconic sports institution of my team sucks so bad, I'm wearing a bag on my head. And any Saints fan can go to another team, another sports fan, and the sports fan can say, my team is so bad, we have to wear bags on our head to the game. And the Saints fan can say, motherfucker, we invented that! So that is my pick. Uh, Iron Eagle, you are on the clock in the second round. I gotta come. Up, I gotta have to come up with like a series of new names here, pronto. <laughs> well, wait a minute. No. You, you again. Just enjoy the enjoyment. Yeah, we, enjoy we the are. enjoyment. Of the game. We are. I know. I know. Oh God. Oh, what can I pick here for my second one? I'm gonna go. I am going to go Ditka trading away the entire fucking draft to pick up Ricky uh, Ricky Williams. Uh, Don't forget wearing dreadlocks and wearing a wedding dress. Yes, uh, that made the cover of uh, ESPN the magazine. Or was it Sports Illustrated? Yeah. Um, Although, I have to admit now, and it kind of makes me feel dirty, I I was pretty pumped when they did that. And as ridiculous as it was, I was like, fuck that. But, I mean, it's the Saints were so fucking boring. and It's just, at least they were interesting for ten minutes. Um, no, 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 it was ESPN the magazine. It was. It was you know what made me feel better about that pick was I remember that Ricky Williams' agent was some dude with Master, P. with Master P. Yeah, part of that, like, new agency that had no experience. And Ricky's agent was some guy that had never done a contract before. Yeah. And so the Saints ended up getting that on the back end because they fleeced Ricky Williams so hard. No. All of his bonus incentives were basically that he had to be the second best running back in league history to reach all of these <laughs> no. price escalations. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And that's the one thing that as bad as Ditka was at like drafting and free agency, the one thing that Ditka did that was – really good was he brought in a guy Terry O'Neill who he had met when he worked at NBC before he, he you know he was working in TV Terry O'Neill was an executive at NBC but he that's what he did his whole life he did deals so he came in and was like in charge of the Saints cap and like did all these like really great deals and like cleaned up their cap and that's why Randy Mueller Got to do, got to spend all the money he did right out the gate because Terry O'Neill really fixed it, and part of it was fleecing Ricky Williams. <laughs> so Dave the was fired like two days later. Exactly. So Dave, you are on the clock. Um, I guess it's not really a scandal, but Kevin's wasn't really a scandal either. So, uh, well, no, it's not even really in the same category. I'll go with Mike and Dave. You know, I thought it was pretty good. I'm surprised that we, we haven't heard anything. But uh, you know, you had coaches breaking federal laws and stealing illegal drugs. So. Uncle Joe going to the medicine cabinet. Yeah, that's pretty good. I remember he even wound up becoming your head coach. Yeah, it is. So, so that's cool. And and that and I I I heard that that fine might be seven figures. So I'm sure old man Benson's gonna love that. Um. Uh, 
Andrew, you are on the clock in the second round. Well, uh, I'm going to keep it current as well and uh, bring it to the wiretapping investigation and uh, ESPN outside the lines breaking this story that uh, allegedly uh, Mickey <laughs> Loomis was listening to opposing, te- opposing teams' play calls and, and what have you. Um, and for me, again, and obviously – the Saints very quickly came out and vehemently denied any, uh, you know, any knowledge or any partaking in this accusation. Um, but for me, the real scandal was that, um, you know, once once the authorities, at least the local authorities, said, no, nope, we looked into it, doesn't sound like anything's going on. ESPN then made an announcement that they were sticking by their story um, and basically said, you know, the FBI hasn't ruled on it yet. Meanwhile, we still haven't heard anything, and uh, it basically all adds up to ESPN being on this witch hunt to obviously get the Saints and pin something on the Saints on the heels of Downey Gate um, to try to blow up this bigger story of this rogue organization that won a Super Bowl because um, of all these dirty things they were doing. And so I, I really felt like ESPN was chasing this or unveiling this monster um plan of, of just all the stuff that, that the Saints are doing wrong and, and basically fabricated, in my opinion, fabricated a story um, just because it was posh to do. It was it was good timing um, to, to step on, you know, basically kick the Saints while they were down. And so um, that scandal for me is just memorable because it told me everything that I need to know about ESPN. They got a, they got a bad tip from Kenny Wilkerson. <laughs> Uh, are we going? Are we are we going to keep it going, or going to we close it off at three rounds? No, no. All right. So I'm on the clock. Oh, one more. Come on. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna. We might go a couple more. I'm gonna go old school because I'm a Saints nerd and I love the history and I want to educate the people that are young. Um, this is from 1970. This if, if and and read who that history. Find it on eBay or Amazon.com if you can. And read it. It's the best history of the Saints cover to cover by Wayne Mack. In 1970, the Saints were, were drafted, and Tom Pierce had been the coach for three years, and the Saints were still terrible, and Fred Williamson was the GM. And they were running the draft. And the Oakland Raiders were on the clock. And they selected Raymond Chester, a tight end out of Morgan State. And Fred Williams, the GM for the Saints, said, Who the fuck is that? He's a nobody. We don't even have him on my board. Tom Fears looked at him and said, Al Davis knows more foot, foot, uh, uh, forgets more football than you'll ever know. And Fred Williams has said, if he, ain't on our, if he ain't on my board, he ain't shit. So Tom Fears said, if he ain't on our board, our board is shit. They proceeded to have a fist fight in the draft room in front of the media, which... I think it's just fan-fucking-tastic, and that's my number one scandal. The Saints from the 70s were just awesome, and I almost wish they had an NFL team that dysfunctional nowadays because it would be awesome. That's my number one pick, or number three number three pick. Uh, Iron Eagle, you are on the clock. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Um... Barney just wa- Barney wonders if maybe instead of a mask, I should just paint my fa- paint a giant eagle on my face like I'm Sting or something. Yes. Uh. Um. So, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna retell this story for the eighth fucking time on this podcast because I'm pulling it because I'm grasping at fucking straws and again my brain's been rattling references for the people. My brain's been rattling around here and and I can't fucking remember past two past two weeks ago. So bear with me right now. Uh, uh. Back in the day when I used to live there, I worked at Channel 4. I had to drive to Jackson to go to Saints training camp. Fun times, had by all. It was great. I got to make photo galleries, interview people, got to write little mini stories. I got to talk to Steve Gleason and found out he loves Pearl Jam just as much as I do. Tremendous. Um, anywho, one day all the reporters are sitting in the cafeteria at... Uh, Millsaps or whatever the hell the damn college was. Uh, anyway, Scott, we'd been told all the report, all the players had gone out from the, for the morning because the coaches were happy and they wanted to take them out and surprise them for like a job well done. They went to a water park. All the reporters are sitting in, in the cafeteria having lunch. Lo and behold, Scott Fujita comes into the cafeteria on crutches by himself. On crutches, his foot is in a cast, they're like a boot, and I am imme- all the reporters see this. Like he walks right by all of us, doesn't say anything, and goes up to like the ice cream machine or whatever. And I immediately call my boss at Channel Four, and I'm like, uh, I, I, I think Scott Fujita like broke his foot or something. And I, can, can you verify that he broke his foot? Well, I don't want to go walk up and ask him. Well, how, how do you? What makes you think he broke his foot? Because he's on crutches and he has a giant boot around his his fucking foot. Okay. Well, uh, what? Uh, what? Well, what do you think? I, I'm like, I don't know. He's in here on crutches, the boot on his foot. So we put out this alert saying Scott Fujita appears to have injured his foot, and one of the reporters that was sitting at the table with us got up, and I'm still not going to say who it is went up and actually walked up to Fujita and just said, hey, how you doing? Is the foot okay? And Fujita apparently said something like, yeah, I just banged it on one of the uh, slides in the ride, uh, on one of the rides. Okay. So now the information is spreading out. Hours pass. Uh, I'm getting ready to leave. I get a phone call. And it's whoever, it's one of the PR guys for the Saints, and he's saying, what did you report? Why did you report this? What did you see? Who did you talk to? Did you talk to Fujita? Did you approach Fujita? How do you know this? And 20, you know, this is mid-20-year-old Kevin who's... Pre-Iron Eagle. Yeah, yeah, this, this is way pre-Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle isn't even a glint in my eye at this point. Uh <sighs> I'm, I'm not even thinking about Texas Clover leafing anybody. And kudos to the two of you that'll get that reference. Your um, song at this point was Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, oh no! Wow, that was better than the fucking Eagles. That's for goddamn sure. Um, I am Eagles not sounding too bad now, huh? No. Um, so I get read the riot act by the PR guy. I am then told. Well, Coach Payton, uh, Coach Payton is very upset and very ticked off at you and these other reporters, and he, he, he will be calling each of you individually 
to ask you about this. So you just be expecting a phone call from, from, from him. And I'm like, okay. So when I'm done, when I'm done checking my pants to make sure I didn't shit myself, I call my boss again and I'm like, oh my God, Coach Payton is going to fucking murder me in my sleep. What do I do? And my you boss. Him, that's what you do. Yeah, well, he was going to DDT me is what he was going to do. <laughs> uh, my boss says, now hang on. Did you approach Scott Fujita? No. Are you going to tell him who did? No. Good. Uh, all, all we reported is what you saw, and the only reason you saw it is because they let the player limp on fucking crutches right past a whole mess of reporters. That is the team's fault, not yours. You are merely reporting what you saw. You did not sneak into any hidden, into any uh, restricted area. The player walked right by you on crutches with a boot on. You've done nothing wrong. After I talked to him, I was fine. I sat by my phone waiting for Coach Payton to call me because at that point I was, I was, I wasn't getting fired up, you know, not like I had listened to Rammstein or anything, but I was, I was preparing to say something to the effect of, you shouldn't let, you shouldn't have let Scott Fujita walk in front of us. I mean, that would, that's, the, that's the lesson here. But Sean Payton never called me, and nothing else was ever said of it. So there you go. So the scandal is uh, a bunch of reporters reported on something that they saw right in front of them, and a few of us got raked over the coals for it. You, you weren't going to go like, hey, listen here, brother. I saw what I saw in the cafeteria, and if you don't like it, you can deal with the Iron Eagle. I tried to do my Hulkamania voice. It wasn't that good. Uh, Dave, you are on the clock as we head into record podcast length territory. Oh, my God, no. This is ridiculous. Um, since you made us go an extra round, I'm stealing uh, the one we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm going with the urination, <laughs> uh, urination drama. Um, in May of 2009, it wasn't even. It was in the middle of the off season, and it was at Byron Healy and somebody Capanua, I think. I don't even remember his name. The two of them were out drinking. They came back to their condo. Apparently, I guess they couldn't wait to get upstairs, so they just started. Teeing. Sometimes you can't. They just started peeing right there in the bushes outside the con- in the parking lot, and. Two women pulled up, their neighbors, I guess, so they lived in the condo as well, and saw them peeing. They asked them to stop, and instead the guys just started fondling themselves and making lewd comments. And So they got arrested, and the next day the Saints swiftly kicked their asses off the team. To the curb. That's a good, that was a, that's a good sneaky choice. Uh, Andrew, yeah, well, it. yeah, Andrew, you are on the clock. And to wrap up this uh, dra- the final edition of mocking the draft. Well, I'm not going to uh, I'm not uh, going to call this a scandal per se, but it's certainly a memorable moment. And uh, yeah, I mean, any time a coach turns on a team, uh, it, it, it makes for good comedy. Um, but uh, you know, the Jim Moore rant that we all know, the, the playoff rant, was obviously done when he was the coach of the Colts, and uh, I believe he was fired. 
um, a few games after that, um, once the season ended. But so most people remember Jim has or Jim Moore by that by that press conference where he basically said, you know, his famous playoff rant. But uh, his rant started long before that, and um, he was famous for them in New Orleans. Uh, none better than his diddly poo. Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked, or the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball and went down and got points, we got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, our, our, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Oh, yes. Uh, so we didn't do diddly-poo rants um, in New Orleans uh, after a game. I remember at the time the Saints played the Carolina Panthers, and for some reason the Saints lead back was Ray Zellers of Notre Dame. Um, who I believe in that game, I want to say, had something like 17 carries for 26 yards and a couple fumbles, um, which was kind of par for the course of the Saints running game at this point. And uh, one of the great all-time rants because Jim Moore just went off on his team and uh, didn't really hold back. It was a really refreshing keep-it-real moment as a head coach. And I'll never forget... The, the one specific thing that he said where he basically shat on all units. that we couldn't stop the run, we couldn't stop the pass. Every time they got the ball, he went down and scored points on it. We couldn't run, we couldn't pass. So basically, he was destroying the 53-man roster under the bus in unison, and it was glorious. It was, and that, that, is a, that is a great way to wrap up uh, the Mocking the Draft edition. And I gotta wrap this thing up because it's going on like about 95 minutes. So uh, if you stay to the end of this podcast on a Wednesday or a Thursday, what is wrong? You get the medal for not fucking doing shit and work, and we applaud you. <laughs> so for our fearless leader, Dave Cariello, go to Canal Street Chronicles, open that chat, uh, you know, open up the articles, read the comments on draft night follow him on twitter do the same for andrew um and follow iron eagle of course uh iron eagle do ask me so for all of them i'm ralph marlboro uh we'll you'll hear from us draft night uh so long people and until next time be safe this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.